I'm Dano, and welcome to the first episode of the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast, my weekly podcast to help you read aloud and succeed at life. Today, we're going to talk about the first item of the Bernstrom Reading Framework, a plan that I put together that helps inspire reading in kids and families. But what's the first item? Well, the first item is scheduled time to read aloud. And that's what we'll be talking about now. Okay, so just for an overview, what is the Bernstrom Reading Framework? Okay, it's something I just put together and made up myself. So, you know, take it or leave it. But in my profession as a college instructor, teaching students, hundreds of students a year how to read and write, this is the framework that I've came that I've come up with to help me teach students and to teach my children who have been struggling readers. So what is the framework? Well, one, schedule time to read aloud. I am a huge fan of reading aloud. It taught me how to read, but that's what we're going to talk about this first episode. The next item that we'll talk about next episode will be set a timer. Set a timer for at least 20 minutes. Three, read developmentally appropriate books for teach phonics five look up new words as a family and six use the local library so we'll talk about that as my reading framework now i know there's a lot within each one of those but let's let's unpack that first one set aside time for reading aloud this is it's number one because it's the most important thing to do now this podcast is called read aloud dinner podcast or the read aloud dinner podcast and it it's just to help you um, set a time to read aloud now my family we like to read aloud at the dinner table and dinner can be a lot of things to a lot of different people. I find dinner to be, I love eating. So dinner and food just makes me think of nourishment, togetherness, family. And so that's why it's called the Read, Al Read Aloud Dinner podcast. But you could set any time to read. You could read at night like many people do before bed. I am just a morning person so I get up super early at about four or five o'clock in the morning but I'm also exhausted at night like I might be awake but I'm not functional so reading at after supper or reading at night is not good for me my wife is good at it but not me so our family we like to read at dinner and that's why that po this podcast is the read aloud dinner podcast because it it's meant to help you find a time where people are sitting and enjoying time together. I think oftentimes we try to sit down and do something meaningful when people aren't happy. Some of you, you, you might not sit down and eat supper as a family, but if, you, if there is a family, preferably the whole family, you want everyone there, but even if no one is there, well, not no one, but even if there's only a couple people there, it's still important. 
it's it's a mother and a son. It's a mother and a daughter. It's a father and a daughter. And imagine if there are two parents that don't eat dinner at the same time, or maybe maybe it's it's think of dinner like breakfast or think of dinner anytime you eat. Have a book available, a picture book, a middle grade book, an informational book about manners or nonfiction about fish and you just read a short section or maybe even a page or two, set aside a time at which you are going to say, I am going to read with my child and I'm going to read aloud. That is what this episode is about. I want you to step back and think, when can I read aloud with my children? And you're, you're saying, well, well, why is this important? <laughs> I'm going to simply say it's something that you can't afford not to do. Okay, yes, will your child develop you know, wonderfully and will they become successful in the world? Yes, all of those things will be true. But don't you want to have a relationship with your child? And as a father, what, the reason why I developed this read aloud dinner framework or this Bergstrom reading framework is because I really struggle as a father connecting with my kids. I I used to have fun with children when I was when I was younger. I thought, oh I will always I'll be a great dad. I'll always be able to have fun. But something happened when I went to college and or maybe it's when I was paying bills or something that that really moved me out of childhood and that sense of wonder into this like adult worry, stressed place in life. I'm trying to think of a book off the top of my head where that like where that's the case, where you grow up and you have to you have to re-enter into that ch- childhood sense of wonder. Like Peter Pan is about growing up, but um, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins, like let's go fly a kite where George Banks loses the ability to have fun and reconnect with his, you know, re- reconnect with his childhood. And therefore, because he can't have fun, he can't connect with his children. And, if you've ever watched the movie Saving Mr. Banks with the amazing Tom Hanks, I highly recommend you watch that movie. It's the story between P.L. Travers, the, the author of Mary Poppins, and Walt Disney, and Walt Disney wooing P.L. Travers to try to get the book right so he can produce Mary Poppins and make that wonderful film. And in that movie, there's this brilliant moment where Tom Hanks, as Disney, Walt Disney, figures out what the problem is really about. And even what P.L. Travers figures out what the problem is really about is that the father had become so distant from the children and lost to the world of finance and money and providing that the children actually had lost their father or a human being to just play with them, fly a kite, be, uh, not be a friend. I mean, dads are friends, but, but be someone, ah, I know the word, be loved. 
by their father. And oftentimes as, as parents, we think that we love our children because of everything that we give them, or we love our children because of, oh, we're providing for them, or, well, there's a roof over your head, or there's, or I gave you all this, or didn't you see what I did for you? And that's not what the kid wants. The The book, The, the Five Love Languages, is a really good book that talks about how to love your child for who they are. So, so if your kid doesn't like gifts, of course they'll accept the gift. I mean, like who won't want money or something, but honestly, I could give my daughter a gift and she doesn't really play with it that much. It doesn't really mean anything to her. But if I, if I, she loves reading books together and she loves reading books in my lap. So that like, that's her love language. That's what makes my daughter really happy. My other son, gifts are great. So I get him a gift and he'll hold on to that gift. He'll sleep with that gift in his bed for months. Well, I know his love language. He loves gifts. My, I have five kids. So, I mean, this is a great, great thing for me to practice, you know, how to love my children. But one way to love our children is to find out what they love. And yes, though reading books might not hit every single child's love language, reading books as a family will help the parent figure out what makes the child tick and go on different adventures through books or even through knowledge. So you find out something and then the kid says, I like that. And then you can then use that as a as a launch pad to go off and to do other things with your child. So so that's what this is really all about. I st- struggled to spend time with my kids and so then I needed something where I could bond with them and learn about them. And it seems really like oh you're a terrible person. Oh sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, I had a problem I wanted to love my kids more. So that's why that's why I start that's why I'm starting this to have this grand discussion. And the biggest thing that we can do as parents to help our child succeed at life in every single aspect and succeeding at life. Okay, like well, what what do you mean succeed at life? Like academics. Yeah, academics is important, but imagine if you could do one single thing that will help them succeed academically, social social emotionally, and uh, cognitively. And there's lots of other things that I'm not thinking off the top of my head, but imagine if you could do one thing that will take care of all those things and reading at dinner is is the thing and it, it's not always easy so it's like working out like you know you need to work out or exercise or eat right and you think well uh like i struggle to do that or but but you won't disagree with me that eating healthy is not good for you and you won't disagree with me that exercising or stretching is not good for you so it's just the the plan or the method to get it done same thing for reading aloud reading aloud is like exercise or good eating habits or seeing your doctor regularly 
or, or changing the oil on your car. It's something that I would say must be done for you, more for the child, more for your child, for you to have that happy, happy life where you are connecting and you feel engaged with your kid. Now, let's say you don't like reading at dinner or you don't think it's socially acceptable. Well, you know, that's fine. Then read at night or read in the morning or just pick a different time to do it. But if you're open to the idea of reading at dinner rather than watching TV and 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 uh, eating dinner, which watching TV is, there are min- numerous studies of that being not healthy for your child. And it's not being healthy for you either to to watch TV and read. So I'm going, sorry to get kind of controversial, but I am going to say that that's not something that you should be doing. So, um, but media consumption, you know, reading at dinner as a family to help connect you and help you sit at the family. Well, we're like, well, I have to, we have to run off to soccer practice or we have to, we have to go to this and that and that and that and that. So what you're telling me is that, you know, you're doing a lot, you know, you're doing a lot of wonderful opportunities for your family. And that's fine. If you need to go off to soccer practice or hockey or basketball or, you know, to to do these things for your children, that's wonderful. But if you do that at, at the expense of reading, I, I'm, I'm really going to, going to question that exercise or that activity. That means if your life is so crammed with activity that you can't read at breakfast or you can't read at lunch or you can't read at snack time or you can't read at bedtime or you can't like, if you can't find a time to read, then maybe you're too busy and maybe there are other issues that are going on in your life that you need to actually address. So, yes, your kid might be busy. Yes, your kid might be like excelling in sports or whatever, but sports doesn't always last forever. And what if they are successful at sports? And then what, you know, how do they handle contracts? How do they handle suffering or injury? or loss, or moving on, or finances. Teaching reading helps prepare that child more than anything, more than anything. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about how to read. What strategies can we do to actually get our child reading if they're struggling to read, like my children, like my two boys, they're struggling to read, but then how to continue this love of reading or this culture of reading within the family. So I don't know if we're going to talk so much about books. Maybe, maybe I'm, we'll decide that, but here we're just going to talk about like, again, that most important piece of sitting down, finding a time and making that time sacred. Because, I mean, I, I, I will, I will, I promise. I'm going to find studies that talk about reading and academic health and, and children being successful and scoring off the charts on their ACTs or SATs. You know, if, if, that's what, if that's the motivation or the why that you need, then you know what? Then I'll give you that why. 
But an even better why, an even better why is that you get to spend time with someone that is so important. You get to spend time with someone that that will be the most important thing for you or the one that's going to take care of you when, when as you get older or the person that you're going to laugh with and and you know maybe they're going to go away to college or maybe they're going to go away into their professional life and and did you spend time working on that relationship or did you just wake up one day because you were so busy and you were pushing your child like oh go play video games they're playing video games for for hours or you're saying oh because you're so busy like i need to do this i need to do this as a parent or i need time alone i understand that i'm super busy i have tons of things going on and i like i'm that i'm that parent that that turns on the tv and says go watch and but here's my fear i don't want to wake up one day and my child I've taught my child to entertain himself or herself without me. I've taught my child to be happy without me. I've taught my child to not need me or not have a relationship with me. So then one day they go off and find friends that I don't approve of, or they go off and they, um, they make decisions that I would have loved to be consulted on. And if they were smart, they would say, dad, It's because you taught me this. You taught me to live life on my own, or you taught me to entertain myself on my own. So parenting isn't just yelling at your kid or telling your kid what to do or telling them what they're doing wrong. Parenting is having that relationship with them. And how much, how many of us, me being the chief among sinners, how many of us are seeking that relationship with our child. And so setting aside time to do that is going to be the single most important thing that you can do to have that relationship with your child, to bond with them, to attach with them, and to have a, I think, a meaningful relationship with them later on. Now, imagine setting aside that time with your child and then learning things together with them. Maybe you're learning how to be a better parent. Maybe you're learning how to do something you've never done before. Maybe you're, um, you're teaching the child about empathy. So when you're not your best as a person, they know how to respond with care and love to you. Just like you need to set aside time to work out or you need to set aside time to go to the bathroom or you need to set aside time to work The most important thing in your life as a parent is the care and nurture of your child. And frankly, the fancy house or the $600 to $1,000 TV or the fancy iPhone or the fancy shoes. No, 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 no. No, they don't want that. If at the end of the day, they were, you would ask your child, do you want all these fancy things that I give you? Or would they or, or, or would they rather say, I wanted my dad, I wanted my mom, I wanted my grandpa, I wanted my grandma, 
I wanted a relationship for someone. And you know what? I'm I'm going to be annoyingly ob- obstinate about this point. That we were made for love. And I will never concede that point. Human beings were made for love. And so they weren't made for things or shoes or iPads or video games or TV or shows. They were made for love. So what the Books for Dinner podcast, what we want to encourage is we want to encourage a place, a method, a situation where love can flourish. Think of it like a garden in a way or a petri dish with lots of bacteria like growing but instead of like nasty bacteria think of it like amazing wonder and information and yeah joy so what kinds of things what kind of roadblocks are going to happen that are going to get in the way of reading aloud at dinner the kids might think it's weird or you might have different age ages. So in my family, we have from seven years old down to an infant. So we have a seven, five, four, so seven, six, five, two, and an infant. So the books that we read are can't engage everyone. When kids kind of behave and act out and stuff at dinner, the the thing is, I've heard parents say this. I remember one a chemistry instructor that I knew, and she said that she would read to her son, and he would be playing around at night, and he'd be doing playing his toys, and and she would just keep reading even though it seemed like he wasn't paying attention, but then he would stop and he would say something about what she was reading, and she realized he was paying attention to her. This happened to me the other day. I, my my kids were were doing something, and I was reading, and then they said they said a fact about the book, and I thought they were completely not engaging with me. And and that's that assumption thing that we got to work on. That that I thought my child my child wasn't caring or paying attention to. Um, and I guess I I've always cared about this read aloud thing because you know I read aloud to my brothers, and and it's kind of funny to think about but both of my brothers are in english or language or or somewhere around there like my one little brother um majored in linguistics and and is uh and is studying speech speech language pathology and another one of my brothers is an english teacher in korea and i read i read aloud to them many times and i'm reading aloud to my children now I guess this is something that I've always loved, something that's always been important to me. And so it's, what I'm saying is it's worth the struggle. So even though reading aloud might not go well the first time, don't give it up. Look for a different situation or venue to 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 try it in. And then you could pick different books. Like you could pick picture books. Like I said, you could do chapter books. You could do informational books. But maybe a subject you're go- you're going to New Mexico or you're going to Colorado or you're going to the state capital or you're going somewhere you can find um, usually a picture book at the library that you could order 
and then you could read that at dinner to kind of prep them for what's going to what's going to come. Oh, but how do I do that? That's what we're going to talk about in this podcast. So th- I think that's the last one. That's number six, using the library. Or you could go on Amazon and order the books. So what's another what's another struggle that you might have? You know, maybe you're not that you're maybe you're not a strong reader. If you're not a strong reader, what I would recommend is you can like find a strong reader or encourage your child to read. So maybe you're not good at reading or your child's not good at reading, then turn on an audio book and start that way. And guess what? Yes, is the audiobook something that I want for you? No, I, d- I don't want the audiobook for you. But I think that it's helpful if it can help you start. Because reading aloud and introducing all those new words to those to your you and your child will actually help you, give you the vocabulary to communicate effectively with one another. You'll learn all kinds of things. And pretty soon your vocabulary will start to improve and actually, frankly, go off the charts. So read aloud. If you can't read aloud, do an audiobook. Then listen to this podcast to talk about methods or to, to learn how to read. And we'll address how to start reading. And especially if you teach your child how to read, and if you're a you're a poor reader, it's okay to, to, to be humble with that child. There's many reasons why we're poor readers. Because first of all, we don't practice it. Maybe we had a poor teacher. Maybe we're dyslexic. Maybe we had speech issues. There's many reasons why we might have been a poor reader. But let's, let's just kind of move beyond that for now. And w- let's just say, well, it's it's just important to start. So if you can't read, find someone else. If you if there's not a strong reader, then do an audiobook. It's it's that important. So I think those are the main issues that you might run into trying to read aloud as a family. Book selection, yes, that's something to do. Maybe maybe you listen to this podcast and you're like, "How can I get started now?" I, I mean, you've inspired me. You've inspired me to love my child. You've inspired me to give them the gift of, of, of language development, of socio, socio-emotional development, meaning social like awareness of the world and other cultures, awareness of um, different. I mean, I mean, the other cultures and races and and ethnicities and uh, political political issues, geography, that, uh, their emotions, how they think, desires, failure, overcoming failure, that's that social-emotional piece that you can give them, language development, vocabulary, uh, problem-solving, and uh, and uh, like empathy. Well, I guess that's, that's the emotion. You can give all of that to, uh, to your child by reading and doing it together. And if you do it in short chunks and sit down and it's going to be awkward and then it's going to go longer and longer and longer the more you do it. So maybe so maybe it'll be like, oh, a minute, we tried it. And, and even if it's pizza, even if it's not something great, it's worth trying to do it and then doing it again. You're going to learn, you're going to make a mistake, you're going to learn from those mistakes, and then 
but it's like it's like exercise. It's still worth trying, so don't give up. So leave a leave a comment. Leave a comment in the um leave a comment for me for me to address questions for the next podcast or other podcasts. Like what questions do you have or what struggles do you have with reading aloud at dinner or just reading aloud in general? And let me, as a college professor, research those things for you if I don't have the answer or or get help for you because I, I believe so much in this that I'm willing to do the digging and do the reading and figure out this problem for you. So put those questions in the comment box below and let me do the research. So you're excited to do this. You're excited to get going. And you're like, how do I start? I would start with picture books. Find a picture book, read the picture book aloud, and just start doing that. And then keep listening to this podcast and you'll learn what to do along the way. My time is up. Thank you so much for listening to the Read Aloud. Oh, no, not Read Aloud. <laughs> the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast. I'm Dan O'Bernstrom, and it's been great spending time with you. Bye.